I'm, I'm sorry. Hold on. I, just that, that phrase you just said, you'll probably want to edit this out of the okay. podcast, but it could be taken in such a wrong way. Oh. And it, my mind took it. You said, you said, I, uh, uh, Sir, <laughs> this I'm gonna tell you right now. This is gonna be a cold opening of an episode. Yeah, I just lost it. You just said uh, I was. <laughs> Hold on, let me go. You said, um, I, "Oh, I was wondering how many holes do I still have?" For oh Tim my Drake? gosh! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah. I didn't realize I said that. Um, no, thank, thank goodness you didn't realize you said that. Because, yeah, sorry, this cracking me up. I I have the uh, attention span of a twelve year old boy. I'm sorry. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't like the Drake? I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. Do you like the Drake? I love the Drake. What about the Drake? Screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will take a chronological look at the third Robin, Tim Drake. We will be looking at the classic 90s 2000 Robin series and other notable comics with Tim in that era, while also simultaneously taking a look at Tim in the modern era as Red Robin in the pages of DC Comics, plus other Robin and Batman happenings in the world. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. For them. Love the Drake. You've got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. We're also partnering with Batman on Film. You can find us at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com with a whole bunch of other podcasts that they host over there. Uh, we're on iTunes and Stitcher, all the places you can find us uh, out there if you're listening, or you can listen at tbu.com. You get a hold of us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, which leads me to my co-host, Terrence O'Neill. How are you doing tonight, sir? Hey, I'm doing great. And just so everybody knows, uh, the third member of our team, Ryan, will not be here. Uh, just our last podcast, he was not there because he had food poisoning, and um, we were recording the same night so we're recording all of Troyoka. so i don't want people to think like oh my god ryan's had food poisoning for a month someone get this guy to the hospital so yeah he you know, says robin, he's fine yeah so hopefully by this time now he's fine here now but but rob and i have very short attention spans and memories so we would not remember Troyoka if we waited here we'd right. be like, what, what, what was this was something with russia or something right so uh so ryan we we hope you're all recovered and feeling better and never go to that restaurant again but um yeah, I did want to mention something about our YouTube channel. We we do have a Robin Everybody Loves the Drake YouTube channel. Check it out. Um, I was putting some stuff up there. Uh, what I what I had done with it previously is we were doing um, it with the podcast Nightfall, Night's Quest, Night's End, Night's Crusade, Night's Qu- Search for More Money, all that stuff. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, that's the, funny. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the no no never apologize for laughing at one of my jokes. I appreciate it very much. So 
you know, I make jokes all the time at home. And my wife, that's probably something Rob would find funny or <laughs> my, 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 yeah, my brother. But, um, Anyway, so what I was doing on the YouTube channel is I was doing some like quick, like five, 10 minute comic book reviews, just kind of thumbing through the book of uh, the issues we weren't covering on the podcast because we were only really covering the Tim Drake heavy books or books that really were an important key to understanding that those series. So uh, I kind of stopped doing stuff and took a little break from it. And I haven't started up yet. But for 2018, I really wanted to get going again. And I was thinking about doing the Jeff Johns Teen Titan run and reviewing those books, because I was not reading comics at the time those books came out. And, uh, you know, Rob might kick me off the podcast for this, but I have never read any of those books. Oh, man, now, I love the Titans run. Yeah, not absolutely. Not, no, no reason other than I just wasn't reading comics at the time, and I've heard great things about it. And um, now that Savior, it, you know, and all that stuff, if it, no spoilers, but it, it, the Teen Titans has become a big part of uh, continuity now in the in the rebirth. Um, and James Tinian has said, you know, his love of Tim Drake came from the, that Titan run. I was thinking about doing the, the Titan run. So um, they had actually a sale on um, the trade paperbacks on digital of the first volume one of the Jeff Johns Teen Titans run, uh, a sale. So I bought volume one digital and I was like, oh, cool. I could take screenshots and, you know, show that on YouTube and, you know, do like what the, the they do where they block out the words so I don't get, you know, sued by DC or right. something, you know. And, and make it look good and not just me sitting there talking. But I, I started reading the first few pages and it was very confusing. And I'm like, what's going on? And they're talking about like the death of Donna Troy and stuff. And I'm like, is this issue one? And it turns out the, the graphic novel starts off with actually an issue that was called um, Teen Titans Outsiders Secret Files and Origins 2003. And so I was like, what? What? What is this? What is where is this coming from? And so what I hadn't realized, and maybe you're a fan of this or not, before the Teen Titans, Tim Drake was in a book, Young Justice, which was not based on the cartoon. It was based on just a a Peter David run of uh, it's Tim Drake uh, Impulse, who I I really love because I was reading The Flash when he was created and everything. And um, I really like Impulse and Superboy. And it was kind of a fun, lighthearted take on on those these characters and in fact when i read it some people didn't like jeff john's teen titan run because impulse with bart allen was went back to being kid flash and it was a lot more serious and it was a much more serious take so then i was like hmm well i i gotta figure out what's going on in young justice to figure out what's going on in teen Titans. so let me change my plans and let me do you know young justice so anyway long story even longer (laughs) that's that's my goal for 2018 on the YouTube channel is to go through the run of Young Justice because I, I once again I've never read any of those issues either and a lot of them you can get on sale or regular price on digital for 99 cents an issue which is a pretty good deal so hopefully by the time I this podcast airs i'll have a few things up <laughs> in that regard that was part of why i said uh, to myself i'm like I-, I should say this on the podcast so that way it'll like force me to <laughs> to <laughs> get motivated and get those up there sometimes I-, I wonder i'm like man i wish i wish all this like youtube and podcasting and all this stuff was around when i was like 20 before i had like wife and kids i, I would have had so much extra time to do this and then i think like 
but maybe I wouldn't have a wife and kids if all this was there. <laughs> I'd still be in my mom's basement. Like, you know, like I can't go to work today. I got a podcast to do. So, uh, Terrence, you're 42. Are you going to get yeah. one of those job things? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm on 17 <laughs> podcasts. Like that's my job, you know, but, um, but anyway, so uh, did you? I, I know you said you you were a big fan of the Teen Titans. Did you like the Young Justice? And do you have that whole run, or do you just have parts? I have after if you've been you following me long enough with Everyone Loves a Drake, I've been finishing all my holes in the Robin solo series, which I think I was missing about twenty five, thirty books. So I completed that, and I was like, oh, what other issues do I have for Tim Drake? And Young Justice was one that I was missing a lot of. So I have the first 30-some-odd issues all, and I've got you know some sp- sporadic. But those first 35 issues, I absolutely loved. Long story short, which is the theme of this podcast, uh, yeah. yes, I was reading a lot of the Jeff Johns Teen Titans run, and I had picked up, like, once Tim leaves the team, which is, man, I forget how long that went, I started, I fell off of it, and Tim kind of comes back in and out. They had, I guess, had set up a deal and learned from the Nightwing, uh, Dick Grayson scenario, that the Bat family was like, okay, you can use Tim Drake, but we are going to use him exactly at the same time. So kind of like Batman, Tim was in three books at the same time. I think Young Justice and Teen Titans kind of spilled over a little bit. I think once Jeff Johns got a hold of it, they quickly disbanded the Young Justice book, so that way you weren't confused with two teen teams working at the same time. So, yeah, I I really like... If I had to pick one over the other, I I like the Teen Titans uh, run just a little bit more than Young Justice, but Young Justice is so good. I, it, you'll really in, enjoy that. Yeah. This is going to be our second half of Troika, and uh, the books we're looking at today are Detective Comics. Uh, well, Detective Comics written really small and Batman in uh, 682, and then in the main book for this podcast is Robin number 14, where Robin appears on the cover. So we'll get right into Detective Comics here right after these messages. What? Have you ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours. Oh, I was just checking, right? Just checking. Hey everyone, my name is Michael Bailey, and I have been a fan of Superman for as long as I can remember. In 1987, I started collecting the Superman comics as a going concern, which led me down a long and winding, comic book-filled path to 2007 when I first started podcasting. Well, it's 2017, and because it's been 10 years since I started podcasting, and 30 years since I started reading Superman full-time, I thought it might be fun to start a new show called It All Comes Back to Superman. It All Comes Back to Superman will be my monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith, where I will pick out something about the Man of Steel and discuss it. Sometimes I'll be alone. Sometimes I'll have a guest. No matter how many people get involved, Superman will be the focus. It All Comes Back to Superman is part of the Fortress of Baileytube podcasting network. New episodes will drop on the 28th of every month. This show and all of the other programs that are part of the Fortress of Baileytude podcasting network can be found at www.fortressofbaileytude.com. (laughs) 
movies, TV, comics, music, pop culture affidavit has it all. It's everything random in the world of popular culture, and it's all covered by me, Tom Panneries. New episodes drop monthly at twotruefreaks.com. And be sure to check out blog posts about random pop culture topics at popcultureaffidavit.com. Pop Culture Affidavit, the sworn testimony of a dork. Right, we're back. Detective Comics 682, and it's nice that these two books, I did like the first two, but I thought they were the weaker out of the story. Uh, our good pal Chuck Dixon is doing the writing for both of these books, and I really like when a story is tied, the Robin book is tied into Detective, that you get consistency through the two books that Chuck's got a really good handle, even if it's a, a whole Batman family story. When Chuck is at the helm of the story, he's really good at pulling in, like, okay, you guys mentioned this little plot thread in the first book that I didn't write, but he can really weave that stuff in together, where the first two books, we were kind of like, okay, this really doesn't make sense. He can kind of pull those together and or chuck those things that really didn't make sense and go, here's here's the part of the story that we really need to pay attention to. So um, I really do like these two books. Uh, we'll talk about the cover here. The things are getting a little bit brighter. And when you saw Justice League, did you go when he Batman is standing on top of the gargoyle and he jumps down uh, to talk to Commissioner Gordon with Wonder Woman and the Flash? And the skull statue that he's standing on here in uh, Detective 682 is very reminiscent to the skull statue. I always like to think when somebody's making a you know, comic book movie, like, was there a reason they chose that particular type of gargoyle for Batman to be standing on? Because it looks very eerily the same as uh, this image. Did you realize that at all, even when you looked at this comic? Like, hey, that's kind of like in Justice League. Yes, but in reverse, like in reverse, I, I noticed it when I looked at the comic to pull it out to reread it for this mm -hmm. podcast was like, oh, wow, this looks just like the Justice League gargoyle. And so, yeah, so I did. But not when I was watching Justice League, when I was looking at the book. Um, but here, you know, you could see um, on on the formats called deluxe format or specialty format, yeah. um, not the newsstand edition. It's the same pose. Batman standing there. He's got his, you know, fist clenched. He's standing um, and you can see the, the new costume. You can see the fins on the, the legs. So if you listen to our last podcast, we were talking about this, how you couldn't really see too much of the new suit that because of the artwork was in so much shadow. And even here, this cover looks kind of like the Michael Keaton Batman costume. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of like the ab section and the muscles of the 89 Batman and then the symbol the, where they went back to the original for Batman Returns. And even in the, the letter columns in um, Robin 19, which referenced Troyoka, somebody had said – and I can't find it right at the second. But someone had said like, oh, you guys should do more of the costume like the Michael Keaton movies or, or the movies. And so I was kind of under the impression that it would be more of that. Oh, here it is. His name was Stuart Brennan from Brooklyn, New York. And he, he said, it still doesn't look appreciably different, though. Sure. Now that it's a one piece, it looks awfully sleek and it seems to be a little darker than the old model. But is it as dark and forbidding looking as, for example, the one Michael Keaton wore in the movies? Not quite. Yeah, I think a lot of fans were kind of kind of that way as well and when there was something else the editor replied somebody else complained about the costume not really looking that good 
And the editor said, a few readers shared your sentiments regarding the seemingly lack of change in the new costume. To this, I say, view the changes in the larger perspective. Batman's costume has endured for over five decades. And in that time, the only significant change came at the character's silver anniversary with the addition of a yellow circle on his chest emblem. In retrospect, that change still seems huge. I will let history judge our recent alterations. And that uh, the editor was... um, Gorf, I think that Jordan Gorfinkel Jordan or something B. like that. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, that that would be true, I guess, if we hadn't seen the Nightfall costume, you know, like right. the Asbats one. So, you know, it's like, yeah, kind of. But do you remember that thing you did a few you know, years ago or even in this point or whatever it was like a year and a half ago? And then I just know I never noticed this before just looking at them. And I know we'll get to it. But you had mentioned in the last podcast that you had Barry Kitson sign Shadow of the Bat 35. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, um, we, we put the fins on Batman. And I just noticed that on this comic, Batman's got the fins on. But then our next comic that we'll review, Robin 14, it's almost the same exact pose, but there's no fins on the legs. And I had never never noticed that before, but I guess that's the the fins lasted all of three issues. Right. It would be interesting just to see when they ditch this uh, darker costume and he gets the trunks back on. I think Grant Morrison would start the JLA in this darker kind of black costume, but before his run's complete, he's back in the blue, blue, black, and or blue and gray, or black and gray, depending on who's coloring it. All right, before we get into the discussion of Detective Comics 682, let's go to mikesamazingworld.com and take a look at the information of this particular issue. The cover date is February 1995. The on-sale date is December 27, 1994, for a cover price of $1.50. The editor is Scott Preston. The cover credits for the Standard News Edition go to Graham Nolan and the inker is Scott Hanna. The interior of this issue is entitled Doomsday Clock with a 22-page count. The writer is Chuck Dixon, the penciler is Graham Nolan, the inker is Scott Hanna, the cover is John Costanza, the colorist is Adrian Roy. The deluxe version is listed here as a reprint, but we know it's not. And for whatever reason, the deluxe version was the one that most people picked up. I don't know how that happened. A lot of people that I have talked to, and you'll hear us talk about it in the show previously, and in this one, that this was just a version that was just in comic shops everywhere. Uh, the cover credits are obviously the same, or the interior is the same just because of uh, it just being a deluxe version, but the exterior cover uh, with the almost full color now of Batman go to uh, Graham Nolan, but the inker on this one is Terry Austin. Now let's get into the synopsis for Detective Comics 682, and again, I'm using uh, DC wikia.com for the synopsis it's nice and uh, concise and I might continue to do more of these save me from having to write one all the time Uh, here we go for the doomsday clock and not to be confused with DC Comics doomsday clock you know this is from the 90s anyway here's a synopsis for Troika the doomsday clock Romanana and the KG beast are all that is left of the Troika and the Dark Rider's nuclear device literally drops into the KG beast hands Romanana meanwhile keeps up the pressure on Wayne Enterprises so much so that Bruce Wayne arranges for Lucius Fox to get out of danger and then goes after Romanana in the night in the guise of Batman Robin tracks a fire at Wayne Chemical Plant, discovering the KG Beast, who incapacitates Harvey Bullock and then reveals not only is the miniature nuclear device in his possession, but he also plans to use it. Dun-dun-dun.
This issue, Doomsday Clock, opens up where we were talking about this first page probably should have been the uh, cliffhanger to uh, the issue where, hey, Batman's swinging, and the next issue, uh, you can clearly see where it almost looks like the line is cut, or he went to go toss the grapple line out and completely missed and is plummeting to his certain death. And you see Tim Drake Robin swing in and throw his bat line on and has to kind of deflect his... Uh, throw a little bit and kind of bounce Batman off Corgi's sign here. Of like, looks like a an alligator. Corgi's back and <laughs> at for laughs, starring Peter Suin and <laughs> Vinny Chinzo <laughs> for Paragon. Vinny Chinzo. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. Are you ready for a deep cut? Yeah. Ready I'm, for a deep cut? I'm ready for a deep right. cut. So if you remember in the night. Night Quest the Crusade. Night, all, right, yeah. all right, I'm getting them mixed up. Night Quest the Crusade. Asriel meets the Joker, and the Joker has gotten this. And I, I did this on the YouTube page. The Joker has become a movie director, and the Joker is got like these movie producers tied up, and he's making a movie. And the movie that ba- uh, that the Joker is making is Crocky, the story of a crocodile. So this is wow. the sequel to the movie that the Joker was making. Both those issues were written by Chuck Dixon, and I only know that because as I was looking stuff up for the podcast, one of the websites had like a, a trivia thing about this issue, and it, it said that. So uh, I think that was the DC Weeka th- thing, or it might have been you know, Mike Mike's Amazing Comic mm-hmm. World. I know yeah. you, you sometimes it might have been one of those too. But uh, yeah, that's a a cool uh, little throwback for if you're a Chuck Dixon fan. Wow, and to also know, so they must have released the Joker movie and it did really well to get crocky too <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> uh, and i like how chuck writes tim here that he realizes that uh, batman's weight is going to pull him both of their death he can't you know pull him up he's got to bounce him off the sign here and bruce is very much he's talking about things changing he's like no no it's it, it's my fault i probably shouldn't have been out here swinging you know, across the, the skyline. I thought I would have been better. I must, Colonel Vega's mind thing must have really got me all uh, disoriented more than before. And it talks about being found in a stairwell unless, you know, you wanted to give that last done another try. So it was kind of like, wow, this is a, a Batman that's kind of knows where he's been and his shortcomings from Nightfall. He's kind of realizing, like, I can't push myself like I did and I just got out of this tough situation and I don't want to make the situation worse or you're going to be picking me back up off the uh, street. So what do you kind of think about uh, Bruce and uh, Tim's dialogue in these uh, first couple pages here? Yeah, the thing that was most shocking is as as Batman's falling, you know, Tim um, is able to get his grappling hook around those fins on Batman's legs. So maybe those fins saved his life here. Batman shouts up, let go, Robin, you can't do it. Look on Robin's face. He's got his uh, his teeth clenched. He's like gritting. It's great artwork by Graham Nolan here. He says, the hell I can't. And I was like, whoa, that was like. That, that's that's heavy for Tim Drake. Like he usually doesn't, you know, um, do that. But also it like showed his confidence and his just determination. And I think it's like ramped up a little bit in front of Bruce. Like Dick was like his uh, fraternity buddy, like his pal. Like, hey, let's go out here. And when he got that glider, and he's like, uh, you know what? Maybe I'm not gonna do this here. But he would not. He's not gonna back down with Bruce, you know. And in fact, in uh, Robin. 
issue 15, which will be the next Robin issue, uh, th- he's on the, the, the cover with the glider. Like he overcomes that fear. So I think it's kind of cool that we're seeing like an evolution of Tim Drake becoming more and more confident and more and more assured, but he's also not becoming the snot nosed brat that often gets written for teenage characters that make us, you know, hate his guts. So, um, that, that's what I took out of it. Yeah, and I also like how Chuck is writing Tim, that Tim has kind of been through the ringer just like Batman has. And Tim has grown a lot to where if this was back in the early days of Tim, he might not have – not that he, Tim is standing up for himself, but Tim knows, I can do this. I, I know the hero that I need to be. If this would have been a different writer other than Chuck, since Chuck is writing Tim to be the strong type in his own book – that goes to show that, well, Tim should be acting like this in a Batman book as well. So I like that, that there's some maturity here for Tim and that Bruce also realizes that as well. And uh, in our last podcast, we talked about how um, there was some humor in these two issues and how we both felt that was kind of appropriate. And I kind of drew the comparison. It kind of reminds me of some of the humor um, that was we saw in Batman in the Justice League movie. And this is what I'm talking about here where Batman, he's not cracking up. He's, he's just got like a little half smile, but where, you know, Robin says, where are you going now? And Batman says to find a stairwell, unless you want to give that last stunt another try. Like that's a joke. It's funny, yeah. but it, I could see Affleck's Ben, uh, Affleck's Ben, <laughs> Affleck's <laughs> Batman. <laughs> yeah. Um, making a quib like that in justice league so did you did you find that humor like out of place or does that no, kind of jive with your batman i i thought that worked really well and it also I, this is some of the new stuff bruce was talking about rather than being so dark and brooding which batman's eventually going to get back to that way that's the typical batman i know best and i don't make jokes but even when batman doesn't make jokes he still does even watch brave and the bold even though that that's more funny slapstick batman still plays everything pretty straight and it's all the outside characters that are funny so i thought that that was very typical uh to do and like we said i could hear kevin conroy's batman make that that same type of little quip as well uh the troika loves their warehouse and their indiana jones boxes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this is uh them really trying to figure out where this nuclear device is it's the size of a baseball and this was something i wanted to ask you that we see them kind of argue back and forth with each other with the kg beast and uh, the star chick here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start calling her Starro. Uh, not really. Uh, yeah. That I didn't even realize, which I think is how confusing the first two issues were, of how this baseball even got, the nuclear device, got up here on the shelf. Did we miss that? I don't think we missed it. Was that like an off-panel thing? Um, I believe so. I believe that in the first part of the story, the Dark Rider, like – mentions it and mentions it being a baseball and i know in shadow of the bat 35 on page 10 you you see it in the panel and in batman um what was that 515 it's mentioned but you never actually see him place it there so yeah the whole thing with the trioka was very confusing here. I'm looking on page number 11 of Batman 515. 
he's got the baseball and he's like throwing it around. Um, but let's see, does he ever place it somewhere? I don't In think so. Shadow of the Bat, uh, page nine, if you have your book at home, and uh, page ten. Actually, more on page ten. You see the ball sitting up there. You see where it says Cossack matches, and it's above their head. So I've he must have the Dark Rider must have put it there at some point because. It is not shown at any other point it being there, and it's above their head the whole time, other than Vega having his back to that ball with the KGB. So that's the only thing I can think of why why it's there. And I know this is a book that takes place in a universe where there's a Kryptonian and a Green Lanterns and everything, but even in 19... 19- whatever this came out, 95 or 6, could there be a nuclear device that small that would actually <laughs> destroy all of Gotham? It, it seemed a little far-fetched, but I, I don't know much about nuclear bombs, so maybe, but <laughs> it just seems a little small to take take out the entire city of Gotham. But yeah. then again, it's also not exactly the most you know <laughs> realistic universe either. So Right, we have a guy that cut off his hand in the KGBs to get away from Batman. Yeah. So I... Yeah, it, thinly veiled lines. My wife always says, you know, I'm telling a story. Hey, be careful. You're pulling up threads here. You don't want to know the answers to So I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, yeah. So uh, during a little scuffle, as some of the Choriko members are leaving, ball rolls off. KG Beast uh, must play some good baseball in Russia and is able to catch the, <laughs> uh, yes. uh, the nuclear bomb that's the size of a baseball signed by Babe Ruth that they stole from Sandlot. And, yeah. uh, and uh, now he has it. Yeah, I really noticed too. The, in all three, all three of these writers, the four issues, they write the dialogue of the KG Beast very different. And Chuck Dixon seems to really ramp up that like bad stereotypical Russian accent yes. than the others do. Because all of a sudden, from out of nowhere, it just comes that he talks completely different in this issue. <laughs> yeah, it's like. Uh, I'm trying to remember the Robin Williams movie where he's playing a Russian. It's it's that bad. Moscow, Moscow on the Hudson. Yes, where uh, it's the the bad English version of this is what Russia. We sound like this from Mother Russia. Could you be you know that whole that whole type of stick? I but, think uh, it was Robin miniseries or something where it's like I am being KG beast and I am being killing you now or yeah. something like that. That's how like the issue ended. Yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> We have Bruce Wayne making his first return on page nine here to Wayne Enterprises and kind of talking with Lucius about uh, Troika and everything that's kind of going on uh, with the transitions and everything. The Troika members are coming back in and Bruce gets kind of mistaken and kind of basically says that he's the assistant to Lucius Fox. Uh, she even makes some mentions here that Bruce looks like a, a movie star or something like that, that this is kind of like if this was 2018, you would know who the richest man in the world probably would be in America. You know, if this was Donald Trump here, you would kind of know, hey, this is your building. This is Trump Tower out here. I think we know who it is. This is Wayne Enterprises. But they don't pick up that this is Bruce Wayne. It's Lucius Fox's secretary or his uh, assistant, so they kind of let it go here. And I get a Kevin Conroy impression out of Chuck Dixon's writing here, which I believe the animated series was going on. Yes, the animated series was going on very much at this time. So uh, did you get kind of a animated series Kevin Conroy vibe out of kind of the fumbling uh, Bruce Wayne here on uh, 9 and 10? Yeah, I did. And um, 
this part was like a little bit of like, come on, man. Like, you're going to become the, the head of the organized crime in Gotham City and you don't recognize Bruce Wayne in Wayne Tower. Like, it's a, like I get it if they're at, you know, like, you know, Skotchki's Deli or something and he walks in, but they're at Wayne Tower. They're go- like, come on. Like, th- there's no picture of Bruce Wayne in the lobby. There's nothing like. And uh, it's funny, too, because um, Romana, she she busts in the door here. She's this her arms are wide, busted in the door and she's in like full Russian winter military gear with like the Russian hat and everything like yeah. how just how cold is it in Gotham because I don't see any snow in the panels and uh, the KG beast I know he's a tough guy but he's like sh- you know wearing short sleeve and you know Robin's got the short sleeve so uh, it's just kind of it's kind of funny but uh, it's the kind of stuff that Chuck Dixon can get away with like it's bad eight, or just not bad but it's just like 80s action hero movie kind of yeah. stuff that you just kind of just go with and just have fun with and the thing I I liked so much about Christian Bale's Batman and the whole relationship with uh, Lucius Fox and Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. in the the Nolan trilogy was how Lucius Fox was just like, you know, whatever you want to do with this stuff, it's your business, but don't think I'm an idiot. And then he helps him. Like, I really liked that take on Lucius Fox more than this, like, oh, you know, Bruce is a dumb guy and Lucius just does everything. And I, so um, I get what they were doing in the comics and I get why this works for the comics. But I, I prefer the uh, Dark Knight trilogy kind of Bruce Wayne, Lucius Fox relationship. And what's kind of interesting, I know we'll get to it. I'm jumping around here. But at the end of uh, Robin 14, you see Lucius Fox's family. And it appears he has a wife and a daughter, but there's no son. And I was like, where's Batwing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> right now. Now, I guess you could play it off that he's away in college, you know, or whatever reason. And this is also a, a retcon universe. But I wonder if Lucius Fox, what's his son name? Is it um, Luke? OK, yeah. if Luke actually even existed or when Luke, I, sh- I should look that up. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to guess he's probably a new 52 character. You know, I actually forgot about this here, too, because his daughter is named uh, Tam. Oh, Yeah. And she's introduced – this is from Wikipedia, which we know is never wrong. But she's introduced in Red Robin. Her father sends her to personally locate Tim Drake, which I guess is Tim Wayne at that point in the right. continuity, only to discover his secret identity as Red Robin and become involved in his conflict with the League of Assassins. For a time, it was believed Fox was dead, but this was a ruse to help combat his enemies. It is believed that learning Drake's secret has led Tam Fox to realize that Bruce Wayne is Batman. However, she apparently did not report her findings to her father. Uh, and then there was a younger daughter, Tiffany, who was first shown in Batman 308 in 1979, wow. but was not explored until the New 52 reboot, which reintroduced her along with her siblings in Batwing number 22. And the alternate future story shown in Batgirl Future's End shows Tiffany growing up to be a gifted prodigy of Barbara Gordon, becoming one of several women to use the Batgirl moniker with a pink accented Batsuit. And then uh, this is prior to the New 52, Lucius had a son named Timothy who occasionally – Occasional delinquency embarrassed his father. In the New 52 continuity, his son is named Lucas Luke Fox, an intellectual prodigy and mixed martial artist. And then it goes on about how he takes over Batwing. So I guess Luke Fox is a product of the New 52. For some reason, I thought he was much older than that, but I guess that's it's more of a new thing. But I forgot about his daughter in the Red Robin series. Yeah, because they had – uh, a romance for a little while once Stephanie had become 
Batgirl, she was busy doing her Batgirl thing, so Tim and Steph weren't spending that much time together. And, you know, I have a little bit of a dilemma here uh, because what's going on now in the comic, you see Harvey Bullock has got his new partner, Brock. They keep making reference that Brock knows a lot. Like he keeps at one point, Harvey says, how do you know that? And he's like, oh, I read a lot. And he's like, oh, college boy. And then there's something else where we'll get to it a little later on. But actually, it's in Robin, also written by Chuck Dixon, where Tim also questions Brock about his knowledge. Like, how do you know all that stuff? And so I'm wondering, like, is is there more going on with Brock? Like, it's, it's like he's setting up a mystery. And I'm like, do I want to just go on Wikipedia and look up Brock and find out what exactly it is? Or do I want to just like let it play out? And as I read it, these issues for the podcast, find out without giving people spoilers, namely me. Do you do you remember what the backstory is with Brock and why he's so smart? Or No, I don't. I'm glad you kind of said that. Like normally us good podcasters, we want to pull, you know, all this information up for you guys. I flinched to go for the computer while you were talking to look it up, and I'm like, you know what? I kind of don't want to know. I kind of want to find out if this character goes anywhere since Chuck Dixon is writing him. It'll be nice to, even though we're staying in the Robin book, to kind of flip through Detective Comics, you just kind of boning up for the podcast and seeing where he comes from, because they're really setting up a lot of stuff for him. Like, this guy, Chuck's really good at giving somebody dialogue that's important. Chuck's not a throwaway kind of guy to write something. If he's having the characters say something, Chuck's going to pay off all that knowledge at some point. Like other writers may kind of do that. And then by the next issue, it's like, Oh yeah, that, that thing happened a while ago. We never revisited it. And Chuck got to write a lot of these books for so long. He not only got to see his original plot threads through, but he was able to reset and set new plot threads that he stayed on these books for quite a while. So I'm kind of in the camp of like, let's kind of see how this plays out. Yeah. And you know, like he was introduced in another book, Real brief, it was only like two or three panels. They're like, here's your new partner. Here's Brock. Okay, and like, what's that? But as you start to read these, you get the sense that like, oh, if there's just something completely unrelated to the story and they just introduce somebody, like like in the last podcast, Tim was talking about, oh, there's this new vigilante who's beating people up. Like, you know, like, ah, that's a seed that they're planting for something down the line. And they you can tell that they're planting seeds here with Brock. And I'll probably cave and look it up. But <laughs> but, but I, I was wondering if you remembered, because I don't remember what no. his thing was. I, I feel like he was like a secret agent or something with the government or, or something like that, that he has all this knowledge, but I, I don't remember offhand. And my fir- my gut reaction was like, ooh, is he the specter? But I know that Brock's not the specter, so... Yeah, um, who was that? That was Crispus, right? Crispus, yeah. Crispus, yeah, yeah. So that was my first thing, and then once I realized, I'm like, oh, no, that's not him. And now to get off on a tangent, but I always thought the specter was just really uh, a cool uh, character. So anyway... Yeah, he's he, let's go off on this tangent. He's cool, but to me, he's kind of like almost a little bit of a problem of Superman. He's almost too powerful. Yeah, like yeah. it's kind of a cool concept. It's kind of a cool thing. But then like, what can't he do? Like he can, you know, so it, it almost works better as like a horror comic and not part of the DC universe. Right. But uh, but he is a really cool character. They had a, um, a DC animation movie i forget what it was oh yeah I've what it was attached somewhere. to but it was a short i don't know if it was in that collection of shorts where it was attached to one of them but yeah that that dc animated short was really cool with the specter where he was like torturing people and stuff yeah yeah i i have i bought the the whole short collection but and i think i also have it um as it's tied to something else i want to say it was a justice league 
tie-in movie, if I remember right. Maybe it's I can't remember. We'll have to look it up. I'll put an editor's note in here uh, somewhere to what that's tied to, because that's a really cool short. I remember the Green Arrow short being really cool as well. Yeah, the Green Arrow one's really good. All right, moving on here through uh, the latter half of this book with uh, KG Beast and his fire here. It seems like every time Tim is going up against the KG Beast, he uh, is either getting burnt or shot at. But I like how, again, Chuck Dixon is writing Tim that Tim's uh, inner dialogue is knowing, okay, Bruce is going to be showing up, and the last time I ran up KG Beast, I barely got away with my life, so I'm just going to sit here and I'm going to wait till Batman shows up and we'll take the KG Beast out together, but things are not going to go that way. We have Batman uh, finding uh, Romana here, hiding behind the curtains, where it's almost kind of a, a Batman year one, David Mazzuccelli, he's coming from behind the curtains in that book, he you know broke through the window here. But I always like that, Batman either comes through a window or he's standing in the room already. But this one, I love Graham Nolan's drawing here where you kind of see... In the bottom of 19, you just see the purple curtains there and the word balloon coming from around, and then Batman slowly pulling it, and he's all in shadow. You're just seeing the whites of the eyes. I just, I love when Batman's all in complete black silhouette. You don't see the mouth, but you see those whites of the eyes, and they're really small. And uh, I, that's just kind of one of the the cool images um, I like of Batman. It, yeah, this this page makes me so happy. It is so cool. You see. Like the Russians, and she says, uh, Stargirl says, we will see how Mr. Bruce Wayne himself responds to terror. And like I said, you just see this word balloon from behind the, the curtain and say, you know nothing. I wish I could do it like Kevin Conroy, but you, you know nothing of terror, Romana Verazensky, but you will learn. And you just see his white eyes like that. Oh, man, that is just so cool. Yeah. And I, I really like this. Take on Tim Drake where he's in this like exploding fire where, you know, KG Beast is shooting like missiles at oil tanks and, and, and things like that. And he's kind of in this like, I don't know what to do because, you know, if I go up against this guy on my own, I'm dead meat. And um, then, you know, uh, why, why doesn't Batman get here already? And then he he's kind of forced to go into it and, and, you know, sacrifice himself or risk himself when he sees that, you know, Bullock and Brock are in danger and, you know, he, he puts their safety above his own. So I thought that was done really well as opposed to just Tim Drake, you know, swooping in and taking on the beast himself. It really accentuates like the danger of the situation. Yeah. And the shot in 12, the uh, four panels here were the KGB chucks like the 50-gallon drum right at Bullock's head. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks like he's dead down here on the ground. You kind of see the pool of blood behind his head. And Tim calls out Bullock's name and asks he's breathing as he's swinging down. This is Brock's first time seeing Robin here. And we have the KG Beast holding the thermal detonator that Boss – oh, sorry, that's Star Wars. Uh, it looks <laughs> yeah. like the thermal detonator uh, right here. And his implausible square of a hand that's like the uh, Swiss Army knife, the cork opener, the blade, the machine gun on his ear. But uh, Nolan does draw him out very well here. Uh, he's kind of holding it up, and it says to be concluded 
in Robin 14, and this is waiting for the Batman to witness the triumph of the beast, but the boy wonder will be almost the same. So if he can't get Batman, at least he's going to get this meddling kid. So what do you think for the end of uh, those end sections of Detective Comics 682? To me, it, it almost doesn't feel like an end. It, it feels like the first two issues of Troika are so different than the second two. In fact, it's kind of weird because when you open up 682, the title of the story is not called Troika, and you don't even see that anywhere. It's called The Doomsday Clock, mm-hmm. which um, – I think, isn't there a book called Doomsday Clock out here now? Maybe it's a little popular with <laughs> Jeff Johns and Mr., you know, uh, Dr. Manhattan and yeah. uh, Superman and Rorschach and all that. But this is the other Doomsday Clock. This is the better Doomsday Clock. Um, <laughs> the um, it, This just feels like between this issue and Robin 14, it just feels like one long issue. So it doesn't really feel like an ending, and especially because I read them back to back. It just felt like, all right, like close this one. Let's get right to the next one. So, um Let's get to the next one. <laughs> yeah. And uh, real quick, before before we get to the next one, I almost feel like Troika is telling one whole story, but I really think you could read just the Detective Comics and Robin story and get still get a complete story and not need the first two issues. And that's very rare to say sometimes reading like a whole, you know, four-part series that – the first two I don't think landed as strong, but Dixon, like I said in the beginning, really pulls these two issues together that you know he's writing both of them, and I could read both of these and go, oh, okay, because it almost turns into a KGB story that he's the big bad guy anyway, and I think Dixon does it really well. And Dixon loves these big bads like KG Beast and Bane and all that. And um, I even almost thought about just asking you, do you want to just skip those other two for the podcast and just do these two? But it seemed kind of like, I don't know, good continuity to do all four for the storyline. But but I agree 100%. We could have skipped those other two and still had a great story. Yeah. Maybe moving forward for the podcast, folks, Terrence and I had to run our ideas behind because I, <laughs> yeah. I had the exact same idea of like, we could just do these two and just make mention the other two in passing. So we need to start <laughs> sharing notes before. Yeah. Sir, how are you going to tell Master Drake? You'll be devastated. He could do something dangerous. I'm not. Not yet. I need him focused. Sir, this? It's wrong. We have to make sacrifices, Alfred. Consider those sacrifices wisely, sir. If he finds out and you didn't tell him, you will lose him forever. Okay, that was a little abrupt ending right there. Um, We are currently, if you're looking at your watch, we're currently at 45 uh, minutes with this, and we've managed to talk about one book. Uh, We had recorded this in one giant uh, recording session. Uh, It lasted about three hours, and it was kind of late in the evening, so I think we got a little slap happy. So I was doing some editing to try and uh, get things in a more sizable chunk and even... While doing that, we Terrence and I had a lot more to say about these two issues than what we did with the first two issues, and that last episode was like an hour and 15, 20 minutes. So I didn't want to drop another huge episode uh, down on everybody, and uh, maybe somebody's like, no, I like the longer episodes. It's that uh, balancing act of like, uh, how much do we talk? How much time do we take uh, of people? And we want to be respectful of that. So we're going to give you two smaller little chunks of episodes here. 
Uh, the next one will be just a little over uh, 30, 40 minutes, but I didn't want to sandwich uh, an almost an hour and a half episode uh, on to everyone. So this is where we are going to end this particular episode, and we will pick it up. Uh, we have the availability of doing this every week, so you may get another episode next week. It'll depend on um, how the rest of the editing, editing for that goes and if we kind of want to space these out a little bit. So uh, thanks for bearing with us with this uh, particular episode. Um, again, I, I just didn't want it to make it a, a huge long episode. I wanted you to be able to kind of uh, listen to this and enjoy uh, these two uh, little smaller episodes to give you something to kind of chew on as we uh, continue in uh, the rest of the year. So uh, you can get a hold of us in all the uh, different uh, social media outlets that you'll hear in the credits section. So I just want to say thanks to everyone, and we will see you guys on the next episode and the next half of Troika. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are in the copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. The show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguin's lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media, also over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. Get into the car. We'll be the passengers. We'll ride through the city at night. See the city's whip backside. See the bright and hollow sky. See the stars that shine so bright. Stars made for us tonight. All the passengers